Hello and welcome to another episode of Fortitude and Truth with myself, Andrew, and my dear brother-in-law, Nate. Now, we have been covering over the last, actually the last episode, uh, worship. We started our series on worship and we did it by covering a book, actually, for our Academia Today coverage of Worship, the Ultimate Priority by Dr. John MacArthur. And I thought that was a very good conversation. Uh, Nate, Nate, what do you think? I think it was a good starting point for us. I know um, the name John MacArthur sometimes stirs some feelings, and that's okay, um, I think. But he had some good stuff to say in that book, and I think that's really going to kind of lead us into our discussion today on some of the aspects of worship, kind of a foundational look. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, and, I, and I agree. I think um, I wish it weren't that way. There are some names in our in, in our realm here that do tend to, draw that emotional ire at times. Um, and if you did feel that hearing that name, I would encourage you to do your best to uh, put that on the shelf and just hear us out on it. Um, and then you can pick it back up <laughs> if you see fit. But I, did, I, I agree with you. I think it provided a good baseline uh, for our, our step into uh, understanding worship. And he had a lot of good things to say about it for sure. Um, so no further ado, today's uh, Focus verse is actually two verses. We're in the habit of breaking that focus verse singular plan, but that's okay. Maybe we should just call it focus passage. Yeah, I like that. I like that better. Focus <laughs> passage. Anyway, our focus passage today is going to be from Psalm 86, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Now, for today's show, Nate kind of alluded to it, but we're going to be going over a real foundational view of worship to get started, to continue diving and plumbing the depths of what worship means, and then it'll kind of act as a springboard for our next episodes um, in this series. So our first segment today is going to be on what is worship, like understanding what that means. Um, the second segment is going to be is identifying and addressing whether or not worship is necessary. And lastly, it's going to be how sh our, it should be. What is our perspective on worship? Should be sorry. How do I word this? How should there we go? We view worship holistically, um, knowing what you know. After we walk through these things, what should our view of worship be holistically? Um, and, and that kind of implies there's more than what meets the eye on the surface. With that, uh, Nate, why don't we start talking about worship? Um, and what does that mean for starters? Worship is probably. Of all the things scripture defines, worship's probably the hardest. It sounds so easy, and we always think we know, <laughs> but I the more you get into it, the more it's not. Um, there's a couple thoughts here. Uh, I like uh, Dr. Donald Whitney and his book, Spiritual Discipline for the Christian Life. Great book. That is very good. Um, we'll maybe do something on that at some point here. <laughs> um, he says, especially what the English word worship means, um, kind of in talk context of what the scripture says comes from a Saxon word. Um, but it really means it says, he says to worship God means to ascribe the proper worth to God, to magnify his worthiness of praise or better to approach and address God as he is worthy. Um, the, the term before worship was really worth ship. You look like you're going to say something. No, that, was, that was literally what I was about to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but that doesn't just mean, right. So we often think of praise and worship, right? Singing and praises, we often ascribe 
worthiness to God is worship. Praise is worship. But it's not just the music. It's not just the singing. It's not just telling God about how good he is. I think that is part of it, especially when we look at the, the context of Scripture. Um, I don't think if God didn't want us to tell us how holy he was and how worthy he was of all these things, I think he would have told us to stop at some point, especially. But you look at like Revelation, like not half the book, but a good chunk of the book is the scene of the throne and either the saints or the angels or whoever's around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, that's it. There is no other thing there but that. Um, but he also says, too, is there's more nuance because it's not just focusing on God. It's also responding to God. So it's not just telling God how worthy he is, but because we are in this covenant relationship with God, it's living in a way that he is worthy of that honor and praise. And it's not just saying it because lip service is one thing, but it's living like he is worthy of all these things. Yeah. And, and living of somebody who's worthy of all praise and adoration and honor and, and glory and all these things. And that makes, the, the, it's hard to believe that when really you think about it, while worship doesn't encompass our entire life, it should. It really should. Absolutely. We should always be, I think we've said before, like you should be in a state of prayer continually. Like that's part of worship. Like you should be in a state of yeah, worship continually. continually. And there's a long list of things, and we'll touch on some of them today, and I'm sure over the next couple of shows as we dive into, like, I think next week we'll do a good look at the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, and really what the Old Testament says about worship and how we can learn from, like, sacrificial code and, like, religious ritual in the Old Testament and kind of apply that but, to our lives. But we're not under the law anymore, Nate. <laughs> Right, we're not under the law, we're under grace. <laughs> so just, we should just throw I, so we should just throw the old testament out, right? I'm not saying that. No, that, that's kind of what you seemed to think you were saying. So, you can't see our faces yet, but I I was smiling very there's, richly when I said that. There's there's some sarcasm there. Yes, no. We should we are not under the law, we're under grace, but that does not mean we should just throw out the old testament. It was still left there for a reason, and there's still Amen. plenty of things in the law and in these codes that you can learn and they can tell you about God. I mean, the scripture is the entire counsel of God. So take that. Amen. Preach it. And with that, we're going to spend some time talking about the Old Testament right now. So um, speaking of praise and, and that idea of, of worth, worship, um, and the idea of ascribing to God what is due to him, uh, Psalms 95. And it's I think it's worth reading the whole psalm. It's not very long. Um, and really, that's kind of how psalms should be read. They're songs, they're yeah. poems. Uh, Hebrew, pro- Hebrew poetry is very rich. It is. Um, it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said they are the people who have gone, who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. 
Therefore I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And so we get a little bit into the God speaking directly to the people of Israel who were in wandering in the wilderness, who were not following his commands. But how often do we not not follow his commands? But if we go back to the beginning passage, it's it's kind of the, the converse of what really he goes into at the end of we should recognize who God is, what he's done for us, and then what is our reaction to that, right? He is our God. We are his people. Don't harden your hearts. Um, sing praises to his name, for he is the Lord. He is the only God. He is above all other things. So we're just telling God how, one, we are telling God how good it is, but how do we live that God is above all things? What's the easiest answer to that? How do we live as though God's above all things? I'm begging the question here, and I know I was—I was hoping Andrew's going to answer. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't know if you were—I don't know if you were. Andrew, I thought Andrew's going to answer for you. Um, no, if you were living like God is above all things, if you felt and believed that God was above all things, and then you had especially if you had a relationship with someone who is above all things, wouldn't you want to listen to and obey Him and follow Him? And well, that would have been my answer, but I know you're asking me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was. Well, not really, but I kind of thought you were going interject, to interject I, I, yourself I anyway. Actually, I, I bit my tongue off. I'm like, I'm going to wait until he nods to me. But I was wrong, no, everyone. I apologize. No, you can you can always interject. There's never not a place for that in this discussion. And, But even still, so if we go through, we go through all the Psalms, realistically, and we see these pictures of a lot of praise, and the Psalms in general are more of, ascriptions to God of who he is and what he's done. But at the same time, like even this will say, it's not just telling God who he is. It says, let us make a joyful noise. Let us sing to the Lord. Those things are, can be worship. Now is singing in and of itself worship? No. Is making a joyful noise in and of itself worship? No. In the same way, doing something moral is doing something moral worship. I would say no. Um, Just because morality for morality's sake is not holiness. Um, but in, in the same way, doing something moral for God would, in, in, I don't know how that works, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. If yeah. we're doing something moral for God, because God commanded I, it and we I, want to live for God, yeah. I would say, if I would say case, that's yeah. worship in the same way. Absolutely. I would say singing and making joyful noises in ways that are ascribing holiness to God. And also in the same way, probably affecting our own hearts. Like I think prayer mm-hmm. and praise <clears throat> and saying these things affect our heart. Oh, absolutely. And affect what kind of as that, that transformation of becoming more like Christ. I think those kind of, I think, this is me thinking, not not speaking scripture, is I think those things kind of play some role in in that process of transformation. If, if I may, just to make sure I'm understanding, because I, I think I am. Tell me if I'm wrong. But that seems what you're saying is doing the right things that God commands is only half of it. It's an important half, but your motivation, the why you're doing them matter. And if you're doing them for the right reasons, as in to worship and honor, to honor God, right? To, to lift him up and because you love him and because you're placing him where he belongs in your life, on the chief seat, if you will, of your life, then it becomes worship. Correct? Is that? That's fair. Okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to put it. I, I couldn't get the words out of my no, mouth. No, but no that's I basically think. what you were saying. I just wanted to make sure I understood it. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to put it, I think. Um, 
Another one. So Deuteronomy 6, 13 to 15. It says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the pro- peoples, not the gods of the prophets, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in your midst, is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. It sounds like pretty dire consequences for I not fearing some, the Lord. Some of the law. That's good. Some fire and brimstone. And I love it. So, yeah, we I think we, we've made Christianity soft in some ways, and we forget that, I mean, God is a complex being, and we talk about all his different aspects, but, like, wrath is in there, and justice is in there, and jealousy is in there. Um, it's it's holy, and it's perfect, and it's loving, and all the same time, and how all that works together is still super confusing, but... It is. <laughs> right? But that's, I mean, that's... Deuteronomy 6 says this, and that's kind of... For those of you who don't know much about Deuteronomy, you should read it. Um, it's a good book. It's less dry than Leviticus. It's more theological. Um, mm. I would say, if to put it in a it's kind of a summary, it's kind of a dissertation on the Ten Commandments a little bit. Um, kind of an explanation as to like what Israel should do and kind of why they should do it. Um, where the Ten Commandments is like, just do this for the most part. Um, do this, don't do that. Where this is like, do this, but here's why. Right, like you should worship the God and fear Him only, because He's a jealous God, because He is the right. And he's He's jealous in the reason I think because He deserves all this. Oh, absolutely. And not only does He deserve it, but He knows He deserves it. And and I'm sure some people think, oh, that's that's arrogant and that's boastful. Like arrogance and boastfulness and pride are really an inflated view of self. Yeah. Right. They're about thinking things that you're not thinking. You're better than you are. Like. No offense, no offense to to anybody, but God is far better than any of us, and He's He's perfect. He, there is no, there's nothing better than God, yeah. so He can't really think better of Himself. But like, uh, He's a real deal. He's perfectly <laughs> holy. There's there's no other way to put it. He is, if as, as the the hipsters say, He He is Him. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I can't, I couldn't pass that that one up. Um, he is Him with a capital H. But. Part of part of worship, part of praise, is obviously you're ascribing to God what is God's, but it also means not giving those things that belong to God to other things. Right? You're not telling. They, I don't know how to put this. Um, you're not things that only belong to God should not belong to other people. So like your covenant relationship with God, and this is hard. This is really hard to theologically unpack, and I'm going to try my best here to describe this, because these things should be the outflow of your life, and it's obviously love your the Lord your God first, and then from the outflow of that kind of comes love your neighbors yourself, and it's all kind of commingled we're, we're going to talk about together. That in the next segment, yeah, I like it. But at the same time, like that total submission goes to God. Absolutely. Like I am totally submissive and I love my wife but only so much as I don't I don't I'm not submissive enough that like I don't trust her over God I don't choose her over God now does God push me to do things for her that I think that are are loving and holy and love your neighbors yourself kind of things absolutely I think my overflow of love for God flows into her 
So, but that, but the prime, the primacy goes to God. And so that's, I think, and that's where it needs to stay. Like if the primacy is on her or if the primacy is on Allah or Buddha or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or wherever, money or cars or wherever you put that primacy on your own flesh or yeah, your own flesh, whatever that looks like. If that's where the primacy is, then, then God is not primal, primate primary and in and, and so you're worshiping these other things above worshiping god i think that's a really good way to put it can i ask you something just cutting it'll be a beneficial thought exercise maybe um what how would one of our listeners or us or whomever is hearing my voice how would we know that we have let god slip off of his rightful primacy spot did my question make sense it does. I think it's that's a complex. It's very complex. I know. But it's a hard thing to answer. Is there any like warning signs? Any like guardrails that might alar- alarm us? Like, oh hey, kind of you're going off course here. I think, I think that's the benefit of having a good support system, having friends, having family, uh, having backup at church. Because I don't think I realistically, you may catch yourself, and the Holy Spirit may hit you in conviction. But I think that's one where your brothers and sisters are going to probably catch you lacking. And when they do, then it's like, hey, like, <laughs> but that's the fruit's going to decrease. The fruit's going to change. I think that's one thing that you, well, you're outward. They're going to be outward signs that that's happened. Yeah. Um, personally, like if I were to, to reflect on my own life, you you see that lacking and like, oh, well, I'm just not going to go to church as much or I'm going to I stop reading my Bible every day just through just natural habit. And like, sometimes you don't even realize you do it or like, I haven't done my daily dose of Greek every day. Right. And, and maybe that's a little bit in minutia, but, um, no, I do do that as part of my devotional is, yeah. is daily dose of Greek and daily awesome. dose of Hebrew. Um, but I've been, I've been lacking a little bit. And so that might not be a full, like full blown, like I've backslidden, but at the same time, like that's where we're slipping a little bit. It's like, I'm, I've let life get in the way. I've let, the busyness of life getting away and that's become kind of an idol of like that's taken primary like yeah. taking the primary seat as opposed to just life is busy but god's still in control and that that still needs to be primary so i think that's fair no, i was just curious i know that was a very hard and like no. we could spend like two episodes just talking about that topic i was just figured to kind of give the listeners you know something to as like warning signs and i think you did a good job of hitting on a few of those yeah one other thing I would say too is if you were were contemplating as far as like self reflection goes, that's that, that, I, I would guess say that, that's what I'm saying too. That was part of my question. If you're very much a, a self reflective type of person, um, I would say reflecting on when you make decisions, like why look at really look and, and consider why are you making these decisions? Are you making them? to honor God are you making them for God is God the motivation behind all these decisions or is it other things am I doing this for the money for the power for the popularity for clout yeah right and then those could be secondary motivators um for those of you who don't know I just recently started writing for a blog and um I, I I I think very highly of my writing skills. It's gone to his head, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will admit that. Um, I think that God has gifted me in that a little bit. Um, I would, I would concur. But pursuing a PhD is is part of that. Like if if I if professors didn't see that and push me towards this this path of uh, pursuing a PhD, I think that I would not be so confident in my writing abilities. But 
I also recognize that um, the strain that the time considered to, to, to pursue a PhD, to write for a blog. Um, thankfully, it's not like regularly. It's kind of whenever I feel like it or whenever I have time, which is which is good. Um, but also that way I can, if I feel led to write about something, if like I feel like God's like, hey, you need to put this on paper and you need to, to share this with people somehow that like I have an avenue for that, which is nice. Um, but I, I, that's the goal. I think that the time spent there is, is sacrificed from family and from sleep, um, which I very much value. And, but I think the knowing that I'm not a perfect writer and I'm sure that plenty of people who have PhDs and have written books could look at my writing and be like, Oh, that's just elementary. And, and I would, I would, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but I think that to be able to communicate the truths in a way that, um, again, seek to, put God at the top of them and then help to build his church. And I think that's, I think we're talking about worship right now anyway. So I think that's worship too, right? That I'm using my gifts that God has given me to help build his church and do his will. That's, I think, worship being submissive to God in that way. Um, if I were to just use my gifts for my own gain, then um, maybe I'd go be a popular author of something that I have no desire to write. I've, I have no desire to write fiction. I'll tell you that or mystery or history, um, maybe church history, but not even that. Like I'd rather just exposit scripture and, and, and speak the, like speak theologically and, and kind of uncover, unpack that from scripture. That's really where my heart lies to, to see that, to see the, and to apply that to like how the church grows and how the church works. And that's really what bred this podcast. And we, we share the same heart in that, but <laughs> that, but do. that's where the, my writing kind of, goes to two yeah. um so one last scripture here before we very sympathetic to all of what you said move on is is, is probably, probably the most famous worship passage in the new testament short of romans 12 or maybe more important and more famous than romans 12 i don't know uh john 4 that should that should you know where this is going already <laughs> um if you don't it's the woman at the well uh if john 4 chapter 23 john chapter 4 verse 23 says but the hour is coming and now is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him god is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth and that's again there's a lot to unpack there that i will never be able to cover here but the long short of it is we see jesus is this kind of of all the other things that he is is this big transition between the old covenant and the new and the old covenant is very physical, to 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 put it bluntly. And again, we'll we'll talk about this more next week. This physical representation of spiritual truth, so like physical sacrifices and physical offerings and a physical tabernacle and all these and the physical national identity of Israel, and those things are all kind of gone. Not gone, but they're viewed differently now. The spiritual truths are just spiritual, right? God looks at the, at the hearts of the, and he always did, but, yeah. but the, the national identity is gone. Like Israel is not a people of a national identity, but Israel has become the church who is about the heart, who is about those who want to be in covenant relationship with God in the same way. Sacrifices are now no longer animal or bread or whatever they might be prescribed in the old Testament. They are, whatever sacrifices look a lot different, 
right? Their, their personal sacrifices of like not doing things and giving things up or, Hey, like I'm sacrificing things by taking care of somebody who's in need or I'm, you know, suffering righteously for speaking the truth. Like sacrifices look way different, but they're very much spiritual in nature. There's probably still a physical component to them, but not prescribed so much as it is in the old Testament. Yeah. But that's, that's a, the idea of spirit and truth. And the truth, too, is like worshiping God in truth is worshiping God in the way he intended, which is all defined by Scripture. Yep. And my favorite pa- – I don't know why this is one of my favorite passages. It's, it's, it, it will always be one of my favorite passages is um, in Exodus yeah, – don't quote me. Exodus or Leviticus. No, I don't think it's Leviticus. Maybe maybe numbers might be numbers um, when Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, fill their censer with an incense that God had not commanded of them and they light it. And then the fire of God consumes them and they die um, again. That's a physical representation representation of a spiritual truth. But that means God, there is a worship that God does not desire. And so if there's anything that you do that is not prescribed in in scripture, then you and that's towards God, then it's an abomination. So, like, this is an extreme example, so take it for what it's worth, but, like, a lot of cults and other religions, there are orgies and things like that, and that is not prescribed in Scripture. So, if you do that in the name of God, that's not worship. It's an abomination. That is an abomination. Again, that's that's an extreme example, but that's, that's the point I'm making. That's something God has not desired for worship, and you have taken something that God has desired for worship as is the the sexual union between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage and completely destroyed it and mutated it and done all these things to it. And so that's one of those things that like we just can't we gotta again let scripture define your terms. What is truth? What is the spirit? What is worship? Just we talk about all these things. That's why we stay focused in scripture. But that's, again, that's that call of, is scripture defines all these things. Just stay there and you're going to be okay. Yeah. If I may, just to add to your yeah. point, uh-huh. if you're not worshiping in truth, you're also not worshiping in the spirit. This is true. Yeah. The spirit will, in John, he says the spirit will come and lead you into all truth. So yeah, the spirit's going to guide you in that. And again, there is an inherently sinful fleshly part of us that will always pull us, try to continue to pull us away from that. But to continue to die to self daily and let the spirit lead us and let scripture guide us is super important, especially in our worship. So with that being said, like worship is, um, we have the the closing question of the segment is how should this make us feel worship? Um, I I don't want to steal book titles, but worship is the ultimate priority, right? That's how we should live. If God is who he says he is, and we believe he is who he says he is, that we should act accordingly. Yeah. And that is our lives should be submission, submissive in worship. And, and, and since we're talking about the book really quick that we recover, reviewed last week, um, Dr. MacArthur spends a lot of time, like multiple, multiple chapters of, his, of that book going over John 4, specifically that conversation with the Samaritan woman um, about worship and what it means to worship in spirit and truth. And he does a really, in my opinion, does a very good job of it. And I think it's worth a read. Because of that, just that alone, because of what we're talking, like it hammers hard on what what it looks like to worship in spirit. Then he goes into what it looks like to worship in truth. So that can help, but it's a good guide. Yeah, I I would say a good guide. Yeah, again, to push you back into scripture. No, absolutely, because he pulls from a ton of scriptural examples, which would dive you into scripture. And I have a whole recommendation on how to read those, but we can do that another time. 
So I'll ask the obvious question, right? So if worship is, we should view worship as the utmost priority. This this question is almost wasted. Um, so is worship necessary? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> now, now your segment's over. Yeah. No, Just um, kidding. No, and, and to add to this, right, this, this, this view of worship, uh, it, worship should be, the at, should be it is it's called we're called to this to have it to be the attitude and direction of our life now let me kind of explain what i, what I meant by that because that's me making my own sort of ad hoc definition type thing so let me kind of explain it he's isogeting scripture yes no no just the scripture he, headings no <laughs> no he's not i'm just kidding he's not um so what i mean by the attitude um I mean, like in the genuine, proper attitude, like how how our disposition is. It should be one of worship. It should be one. So, another way to simply understand worship is all of us reacting to all of God. I know we've kind of hammered that. Nate did a great job of really hammering on that, really piling that in, which is good. Um, and that that is what worship is. So again, it comes back to our attitude, our disposition should be us reacting to God us walking close to God, us reacting to God. And what I mean by the direction of your life, are, we should be looking up, as, as the Apostle Paul puts it, God using the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, pressing on for the upward call of God, right? That, that, that should be what we're doing. And part of that is worship. Um, now, I know we, we, this is, we will definitely hit on this um, probably in future episodes in this series, maybe not the next one, maybe the one after, or a couple, probably a couple after. But the, the difference in, like, the, the, under worship, you have corporate worship and individual worship. Um, and they, there's a lot of overlap, so don't worry about it too much. There's a ton of overlap. Essentially, it's, if you had two Venn diagrams, it's essentially one big circle with a few dif- distinctions to understand. But our whole lives should be geared around worship. Um, it, we are commanded to worship. And, I, and to add to the definition, just to kind of... Um, help us with this. Let me see how I want to word this here. An- another way to kind of, eh, yeah, I, I don't have to do that. So essentially, I changed my mind. You, what you just witnessed there was me changing my mind. So again, it is absolutely necessary. We are commanded Um to do this. And again, it, it naturally springs with it, this, this idea of all of us reacting to all of him. If we're, if we're truly doing this, if we're spending time, we're, we're living a life of worship, naturally worship is going to come out. It's going to flow up within us and flow out naturally. It's not something that we're going to have to practice in a sense. Um, now, in a good example of this, we're going to start out. So how... The, the scripture references that I've used and the passages I've used for this section center around Jesus, as they should, as much as scripture does, um, for he is the word made flesh. But we're going to look first at Matthew 4, specifically the temptation of Jesus by Satan, because a lot it, it revolves around this idea of worship. And we're going to roll into Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to end with a look at following the example of Christ. So, because we're called as disciples of Jesus to follow his example. Um, I could have gone with Old Testament. I figure since next week we're going to hit a lot on the Old Testament. 
why not focus on the example of Jesus? So let's look, let's do that. Um, and the Bible says here, and let me get this technology, this confangled technology working with me here. Okay. Beginning in uh, chapter Matthew 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You should not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and begun to minister to him. There is a plethora of amazing truths that we could just really drum out of this example here in Matthew 4. Um, But all of this, in reality, centers around worship. Right, we look at what was the, 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 three, the three temptations of the devil? One was trying to tempt his f- physical flesh. He fasted for 40 days. And the very first one was like, oh, you must eat. Obviously, he's hungry in his flesh. Now, just, just eat. Just eat. No big deal. Next, it was tempting him to really prove himself more. I would say, I would say this, you know, again, very um, summarily looking at it, more of prove yourself, right? Well, if you are who you say you are, you know, God says this. And notice how Satan in there uses his word, God's word, and tries to twist it. Um, And then lastly, an overt call for, as, you know, original Anglo-Saxon word, worship. If you would just ascribe that worth to me, I will will give all of this to you, right? So it it was, that is right there, a totality, holistic call to worship Satan. That's what Satan is looking for. Um, and we see how, what Christ's response. Obviously, it's perfect. Like, we, we can say that. Um, but every response here, yeah, it's written in the Word of God. It's written the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Um, and he's pulling from the Old Testament, by the way, in Jesus and all of these. Except for the, you know, um, and... But ultimately, his motivation is also correct. It is, first of all, he knows his mission. He knows why he's on. He's, he knows the mission of his earthly ministry. He's going to seek. He places God the Father in his right place. Um, and and I, we can go in. I I would love to do this, but I can't right now. Nate's probably going to get mad at me. But when Jesus ascribes refers to God as the Father, he's also saying, you know, he is of him. So he's saying he is God too. That's the scenario. Really quick plumb line scripture, you know, um, 
of that. <laughs> um, but anyway, he comes and he does the will of the Father. He worships God. He honors God. Um, and I just think even in the temps of this temptation, while he handled it perfectly, there's a lot we can learn from this on how to handle temptation. But there's also a lot of from this specific passage that we can look at to understand worship. God the Son came down and worshiped. Um, he lived a life of worship, open worship perfectly to God. And as we will look at next last week, or last week, next week, a lot of the judgment, not all, but many judgments in the Old Testament of Israel was for their mishandling of worship, for offering bad or bum worship, right? Bunk nonsense. Um, but anyway, what, what, what would you say, if we're thinking worship-minded about this passage, any, anything kind of pop out to you? It's okay if not. I know I've kind of talked about it. I've waxed poetic about it for quite a while. I mean, one, he clearly defeats temptation by using the word of God, which is, is something in and of itself. Um, which means he's very, I mean, obviously Christ would be very in tune with, with the word of God because he was the word of God. Um, and I think that's, and that's part of worship too, is like just being in tune with that, Absolutely. being in tune with the will of God. Um, Absolutely. And, and we are in tune with his will through his word and his spirit. Um, if you think God is telling you to do something and it's contrary to scripture, you should probably check that out. And it's probably not the Holy Spirit telling you that. Actually, it isn't. I, I, was say, I can guarantee you it's not. <laughs> if it's contrary to scripture, it's definitely wrong. Um, one thing, and this is just a question for thought. I don't know if it's worth discussion. It's a little bit of off in the, in the weeds a little bit is of the three temptations, the first two are very physical. Well, okay, the first one's physical. We'll talk about bread and food and, and praying on Jesus' human nature, which his human nature, he submits to God. He's fasting. He's trusting his father. Again, worship, trusting his father to take care of him. Sincere, sincerity. Um, yeah. The second one about the angels and, and he could obviously has command of them. Um, but that's kind of plays at the heart a little bit of like not misusing the angels for his own purposes, but allowing the angels to fulfill their, their role in the, in the role that they're supposed to play for the father and, and for God. The last one though really puzzles me because all dominion, all, I mean, Paul says in Colossians, which obviously hasn't been written at this point yet, but that Christ is the preeminent one. And if he's the preeminent one and all things were created through him and for him, then what Satan says shouldn't even be a temptation. Like, oh, I'll give you all these things. Like, dude, they're already mine. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, so that that one just bothers. It doesn't bother me. It's just It just seems like shouldn't even be a temptation because like, if you, especially Christ, who is perfectly worshiping God, knows that, like, I am God. This stuff's mine. It's just not, like, mine, mine yet because I, we have not, it's not the end of time. I'm not going to, yeah. like, take it for my own yet, but it is mine. It belongs to me. Whether it obeys me or not, it belongs to me. I'm, on that note, sorry, just, again, this is valuable. It talks about it's applying to worship. Do you think any of that, based on the context of Scripture, has to do with him no, obviously Christ knows he has to go to the cross. I don't know how much Satan knows that um, there, but any any temptation I can see that being a temptation. Like, well, you can avoid the cross. Um, that uh, granted, it's a bad temptation. I'm saying it's. I'm not saying it's extremely persuasive, but I am a little bit puzzled. Do you say that again? This the interest intricacies of scripture. Of, yeah. 
Yes, I, there, there are those who mock Jesus, like, oh, if you're the son of God, get off the cross. I'm a little surprised Satan himself didn't just come down and be like, look, man, we, yeah. we've been through this before. Well, let's, let's try again. <laughs> like, you beat me once, but now you're on the cross. It's a little different. Maybe, maybe we'll try again. And if yeah. you want to get off that cross, like, I can help you. Um, I think, though, at that point, I think Satan was, I really, I wonder what Satan knew of God's plan and how much he was just like, oh, well, they're going to kill him. Then maybe he'll stay dead or yeah. whatever. Well, I mean, pride blinds. Yeah. No, there, He's there's like, definitely he, that. When you, when you have talk about pride, he is the preeminent one when it comes to pride. Yes. Um, but to Christ's response to that final temptation of, of um, I will give you everything is if you bow down and worship me is less focused on, on the reward, which is what I'm obviously kind of con- yeah. puzzled by. Yeah. But, but the idea that, that you would worship any, but other oh, than God. God, he rightly focuses yeah. is the, he, he just, he doesn't matter what the reward is. You, I, and I think maybe that's the point is, is don't, it doesn't matter what the, what the reward is. Nothing is worth not worshiping God. Yeah. Because worshiping God is eternal life. Basically, oh, it's not quid pro quo, but yeah. um, it's that faith and trust in God, obviously, out of yeah. his grace, has decided to save us for that. And yeah. so absolutely, worshiping God basically equivocates, in some sense, to eternal life. Like, yeah, in some sense, you're in right. some yeah. sense, in not some di- sense. not directly. No, no, no. Like no. I said, it's not quid pro quo, but yeah, there's well, so there's some sense in which basically, if you're worshiping God, you are a believer, and there is eternal life that is granted to you absolutely. via grace, not works. Um, but the the converse of that is worshiping something other than Christ and worshiping worshiping something other than God, a false god. And in that case, then you are very much, very much likely not a believer and not under grace and in which case the consequences are quid pro quo and um they are eternal damnation <laughs> so the the choice seems no rather obvious but he he rightly centers that is, yeah. is it doesn't matter what the reward is nothing is worth not worshiping god yeah and it's kind of this will come back up again in, in a little in a moment uh, when we talk about matthew 16 and following the example of christ because christ poses several important questions in that passage that kind of aligns with this what we're talking about right now, which is good. No, and I think you're right. It does bring it back to the sole focus on, on scripture. On, I'm sorry. Uh, well, yes, on scripture, but ultimately on worship, where, where worship should be. Um, so now another, and then we roll in and we see in Romans 12, I'm sure it's a very famous passage about worship. Um, verses one and two in Romans 12, the Bible says, therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, to the, may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, I think it gets, this is pretty clear here. <laughs> Paul, I mean, doesn't pull any punches. Very clear on what worship is. Yes, it, like, like Nate said earlier, it is singing. It is singing. It is honoring and glorifying God. That's part of it. But it's also living a life of submission to his will. It's also living a life similar to what Christ, the example of Christ in Matthew 4, right? Even though that was a specific example of Christ being tempted, Christ was perfectly submitted to God the Father. He was perfectly submitted. 
um, through every of those temptations. And like Nate pointed out, he responded with, and might, might I put this, this is another important qualifier, scripture in context. What, what we saw by Satan in that temptation was scripture out of context or what we call eisegesis. It was more than just out of context, it was eisegeted um, to try to stoop the son of God. I don't know, like again, I think it's more pride in that case, but what goes through your head to think you can stoop Jesus, but whatever. Um, but we see here, to, we're to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. What does that kind of ring true to you, Nate? Presenting your body. What is um, not to steal the thunder for the next segment, which will be a short one. Um, and because I think that's this is one of the best verses of like that idea of holistic worship. Of like, it's not just. I mean, it's really not even just your body. It's mind, soul, no, I, body. Well, that's. I, um, yeah. I really think it kind of it really rings true of like the the greatest commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is that's in that part of that is being a holy submissive yep, and yep. that's yeah. And that's your spiritual act of worship. And we'll probably in a couple of weeks, we get to in the new Testament view of worship in detail. Um, we see the term acceptable, um, acceptable to God is this idea of worship being presented or sacrifice being presented to God. Like the old Testament, when sacrifices were acceptable before God, the the new Testament uses the same, it's very similar language. Oh yeah. Um, that to say this is acceptable, basically is that this is acceptable to God or before God that like that, that's worship. That is a, that is an area in which you are sacrificing of yourself or should be sacrificing of yourself in some way that is worship to God. Absolutely. And that's a long, there's a long list we oh, probably yeah. won't get to all of them, but we'll get a good junk. Oh, absolutely. No. And uh, yeah, just really hammering on this idea that's presented here by, by uh, through God uses through Paul of presenting your body as a living and holy sacrifice. Uh, now again, there's a lot of Old Testament emphasis that would help you understand what it means to, you know, holy sacrifice, all of that. That would really kind of help you appreciate this properly. But we understand that essentially, right now, what we're getting from is to be fully submitted to God. Um, and we see here, following on, in case that we didn't understand, and not being conformed to this world. So again, being submitted mm-hmm. to God but being transformed by the renewing of our mind or your mind. Um, now, that's something that can easily be taken out of context. But how is the mind renewed? Well, first by the Spirit and then by truth. Ultimately by truth. The Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. So Jesus tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He's his helper. He's referred to by many things, by not many things, a few things by Christ. Mainly the helper. And then he's going to guide them into all truth. So... It's our brains being snapped out of the flesh, dying to flesh, being made new, and understanding God. And so that way, this idea of worshiping in spirit and then truth. And to follow out this, this rather quick foundational view of the necess- necessity of worship, we, I actually have two passages to look at. So first we have Matthew 16, verses uh, 24 through 28. Um, which I have to pull up for some reason or have it up on my show map, which is my fault. Um, Caught him slacking. Apparently. It's okay. Okay, so now these are the passages that in this passage of in Matthew 16, Jesus is teaching about discipleship. Um, and we're going to hit on this. I'm going to 
but I'm going to basically do a passage sandwich. We're going to do Matthew 16, and we're going to, and we're going to look at Matthew 22 briefly. So the Bible says in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 28, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gives up the whole world, or rather gains the whole world, my goodness, and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will then repay every man according to his deeds. And for emphasis, let's just look at verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's kind of what, you know, going back to Matthew 4, right, when Jesus is talking about, you know, refocusing the conversation on worship. That, like, okay, well, what, what, is, what is your soul worth? Jesus obviously here has the perfect understanding of the worth of a soul. Um, but, so this idea, and it, right here, we get a lot of this, in this, there's a lot here in this passage, but the one I really want to hone in on when it comes to understanding worship He's looking at the example of Christ. Because Jesus says here in, Ma- in uh, verse 24, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That, that follow me part, we'll get to the other two parts, because those are just as important. But that follow me is following his example. Right? It's understanding, like, following, what did Christ do? Right? Christ exemplified how to walk with God. Um, and we're to follow that example. Now, in, in light, thinking of, thinking of worship, Let's look at Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. The Bible says in uh, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Now, this is when, just a little context, this is important because I'm, I'm not going to give you the full context due to time, but these are when the Pharisees and scribes are testing Jesus. Right? They're, they're trying to get him to stump, right? So I actually read, I'll read from 35, just to kind of give us a, more of a context. The Bible says in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, again, there is a lot here that we can unpack and we should unpack. Um, when, when you're approaching this exegetically, holistically. But when it comes to worship, we see in, ver, in ver, uh, verse rather 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, all your strength, or all your mind, as Jesus says here. Um, that, that is worship. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is worship. And notice the second one that he just throws in there that if you're doing this first one correctly, the second will flow, flow from it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that is how Jesus walked on the earth when he was in his earthly ministry. He exemplified that. There's plenty of passages, but my mind immediately goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. When he had the opportunity, and he was feeling in his flesh the most agonized about that cross, which was coming very, very, very soon. Um, we're talking like within hours. Um, and he could have. He prayed. He's like, Lord, there's any other way. Let this cup pass for me. But not my will, but yours be done. Right? So this idea 
of loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and, str- and strength, or heart, mind, and soul. Um, that is what worship is, that in, in, in the most foundational sense. And we see it from the example in Christ. Now, after really talking about a lot of verses and passages, understanding this idea of worship, how should we view this holistically when we step back? Now that we've kind of really honed in on the example of Christ in a specific context, how should we look at this holistically? Before I answer your question, I want to I want to make a statement about those two commandments. Um, they are not mutually exclusive, but this is going to sound revolutionary. I hope it doesn't. You can love your neighbor without loving God. You cannot love God without loving your neighbor, right? God gets it all, and then the outflow of that oh, is exactly. loving your neighbor. You can love your neighbor all you want. It's not going to necessarily make you love God anymore um, if you yeah. don't love God in the first place. You're yeah. right. I would contend, too, that you probably aren't loving them in the true sense of love if you don't love God and don't know what that means. But <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not true love. It's probably not biblical yeah. love. That's probably no. fair, too, but in, in, in some way. No, no, I get what you're saying. Um, but holistically, I mean, we've kind of... Again, we've, I feel like at this point we're... Um, kind of hammering this home but holistically we've already kind of said mind soul body strength like worship is everything like if you're not worshiping in your heart and from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks then you're not speaking worship you're not speaking life um and again the same way you're not bearing if your heart is not being in a state of worship then you're not bearing fruit uh speech action any of that in worship um, but that really all stems from being led by the spirit, I think, too, especially talk about soul, right? If you are under, if you're not under grace, but you're under sin and you're bound by sin, you can't worship. If you are under grace, if you are saved, you can worship because the spirit allows you to that. So that's where it starts. The spirit is the foundation of that and there's nothing to do with you, um, but you have to do a bunch of stuff. So... <laughs> Right, and you no, should. Good. No, I was the, just spirit, <laughs> the spirit should that. lead you into all truth, right? But the leading you into all truth should lead you into all worship, and Absolutely. because what does the spirit exist to do? Right, the spirit exists to glorify the Father and the Son, and and obviously aid humanity. But in aid humanity, he glorifies the Father and the Son. He emanates from both the Father and Son for a reason. Uh, he's not sub subservient to them. Um, he is equal to them. He's co-equal, yeah. But yeah, no, he was, he is, that's part of his role is, and he helps us to do that. So. He enables us and then helps us, like you said. Yeah. Yes, he, it's a, it's a very fascinating thing. But yeah, I mean, I could, I was going to share a scripture, but we already shared it of Romans 12. Like that's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, Or like the, um, what is the term, the Hebrew term for it? The, the, uh, for love your, Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, I, there's a Hebrew term there, for there it. Is, it's in Deuteronomy. Is, is. Oh my goodness! It's where I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. It's where I mean that's what the the Pharisee was saying, or the lawyer was saying of 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 that is the greatest commandment. Just that's what Jesus was quoting from, um, and then just kind of made it his own um, by adding a few little things. But it basically says the same thing um, in a passage in Deuteronomy somewhere. 
I've heard people say it over and over again. It's going to bother me now. I've, I've, I've heard it too, and it's like it's in my mind, and I just can't, it's bothering me now. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Now it's going to bother both of us. So uh, guess what? Um, we're not going to give you the answer. You can go look it up, and then you can give us, you can send us the answer at fortitude and truth316 uh, at gmail.com. That's, that's, that's my plug for the day. You can give us the answer. Um, and we would very much appreciate the answer because I'm sure you, you, it's not that hard to find. The Google is a powerful place. I'm sure Andrew already has it, but I don't want him to share it until we at least still are off the air. But no, we'd love to hear from you, whatever it might be. So, especially the answer to that question, let's just know you're listening. What? You don't know what it is. It's okay. No, I, I, it's, in, it's like, I'm, anyway, no. yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. We still have a show to do. I know. I, I hate I'm to back. break that. I hate to break that one to you. We still got a you, show you to do. You were just witnessing me getting frustrated because I know it. It's in my brain and it's like. It is. My brain, no compute. No computes. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think it's, it's worth time to, to close us down for today. Yeah. yeah it's probably, uh, what are we, how are we doing? We're, we're Am I overtime, no, boss? No, okay. Okay. we're not overtime. Good. We we did good. Good. I'm very happy. So. And I'm not the boss. No, I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> the reason I say that is he has view of the time clock. I don't. That's okay. He, he already, if I was worried about it, I've told you already. So yeah. we're good. No, but I think today has been a pretty good opening discussion on, especially with following academia today on like what worship is and really how much it should impact everything and not just singing or not just like yeah. one area of life, but it's completely holistic. Yeah. Maybe that should be the theme of this is the holisticness of worship. I don't think yeah. that's a word. No, I, no, I agree. I think that we, we, all the hammering we've done today, we're just really trying to chart that course that it it's everything. It's, it's not, something you do on Sundays which it should be it, don't get me wrong it should be something you do on Sundays w- with your brothers and sisters in Christ in your local church it should it, it should be yes but that's not where you oh yeah I go I sing and then that's my worship like, no it's your whole life I hope that I hope that plumb line has come very clear um, and then you know as we close before I hit out the focus verse I'd like to just kind of give you kind of what to expect like the next two to three weeks maybe Nate, you can help with that. Like I'm thinking, yeah. obviously next week we'll do Old Testament, like the view of worship in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Then the following week will be New Testament. Yeah. And then any thoughts for maybe the week after? Um, I think the week after we have a special treat for you. Oh yeah, it's right. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we we're do. gonna close instead of doing a proper academia today. Um, we're gonna close out this ses- these segments on worship with an interview um, with actually one of our local pastors. Um, not going to spoil his name yet. Yeah. Um, but it, worship is a topic that is very near and dear to him. And so we'll probably just, it might be a, a little formatted, but there'll probably be a lot of round table, just discussion, discussion and talking shop a little bit. Um, we won't title the episode that, but yeah, it'll be, we'll, we'll ask him some questions and, and get, so you can get his opinions on some things and we'll have some good discussion. Um, he, I will say he has a lot of good insight on it. I hope it's not going to be two hours long. Um, <laughs> We, he likes to talk. I like to talk. Andrew likes to talk. So <laughs> we're going to try and not make it two hours long. Um, we could, we could go all night. Let's be real. I could, oh, we, we could, could do, we could probably do a six hour show with him. Um, <laughs> we probably could. Like, he's, not, but, he's not even being facetious. But at the same time, we'll probably, for the sake of our listeners, we will probably <laughs> be a little pointed and try and chop you like an hour, uh, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. Like a normal academia today session. So you're not overwhelmed. 
Um, and if you appreciate that that different that change in format, then uh, please tell us about it too. Uh, once we get there, um, and we can do some more interviews. Um, got a couple of people lined up that we'd love to talk to. Uh, a friend of mine who from way back when, who's gotten his doctorate already and is working on something new that's super exciting. Yeah, um, he's a doctor professor now. And then oh, he's, um, he's really cool. And then another guy who um, runs a website who publishes blogs, who's the one who publishes my blogs. Um, he's uh, just built it in the grassroots of building a relationship with him right now. Um, but I think at some point building a, a window into his ministry and, and vice versa, I think is going to be on the docket as well. Nice. Further. And those will probably be at some point this year. I don't know when. Yeah. Well, well, well those interviews we try to do, I, mean, I know Nate's mentioned this. We try to fit them in when it makes sense. Um, when it kind of flows with the series and you know, whatnot. So with all of that, we thank you for your time. We, we really pray that this has been a blessing to you. Um, we really, our whole desire, as you know, with our show is to just be, uh, to worship God, um, to be used by the Lord and to be used for his purposes, not our own. And we'll close today with a, with our focus passage of Psalm 86 verses nine through 10, which the scripture says there, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. All of this in mind, uh, Brother Nate, do you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for every day. Uh, we ask that you continually transform us. We ask that you touch our lives, that we continue to worship you in everything that we do. Lord, reveal to us things that are unpleasing to you and unholy to you. Lord, help us to, to rid them, rid our lives of them. Lord, we know through your spirit we can. We ask that our lives be a sacrifice to you, that you just reveal your will, that we would do it so as to glorify you and, and all that you're worthy of. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Fortitude and Truth. Again, the email is fortitudeintruth316 at gmail.com. Uh, prayer requests, comments, concerns, the answer to the question we ask that we still don't know. Um, whatever it is you want to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, this has been another episode of Fortitude and Truth, and we will see you next week.